0: Welcome to Paradigms on WBKM.org. Good evening, Sunday, November 22nd. Hello, everybody out there listening. This is Baruch here with Paradigms. We're here every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on WBKM.org looking at what is working and what's inspiring us and, and what are our visions for a viable future and, you know, trying to keep keep the creative juices flowing. It's a good thing to do, and I'm glad you're here with us tonight. We've got a really interesting bunch of interviews tonight. The focus on tonight's show is a few different modalities of uh, excuse me, of complementary health care. We're going to be talking with a Reiki practitioner and a massage practitioner and an acupuncturist. But we're also uh looking at the issue of a different model for healthcare providing. Right now, most of us, uh if we see a healthcare practitioner, it's someone in a in an office, uh there's a lot of money involved, whether you have insurance or not. And there are other ways of doing it. There are community and collective healthcare models that are not about big profit, that are about providers being provided for and recipients of healthcare services being provided for in an affordable, accessible way. So we're going to be hearing about some of those ideas tonight, and I hope that you'll enjoy them. And let's see, there was something else I was going to mention about that, but it slipped my mind. Hopefully, it'll come back to me. So we're going to head into some music. As always, the music is selected to be part of the theme of the show so i hope you'll uh, you'll pick up on that stuff we're going to start out with something this is an oldie but goodie from the band you're listening to paradigms on wbkm.org mm-hmm. Wolcott medicine show from the band uh, give us a little humorous kickoff into this healthcare episode of paradigms we're going to start now with our first interview uh, this is a woman named Sukada Ripas who is a Reiki practitioner in Morrisville Vermont this is uh, Sukada on paradigms on WBKM.org
1: my name is Sukada Ripas and I call myself a holistic wellness practitioner which means that I do Reiki, and I do sound healing, and I do light work. And I have been living in the United States for five years, and I began my training in Ireland uh, ten years ago.
0: What attracted you to this kind of work?
1: I, I Basically, I had health issues, and my husband was uh, Reiki level one. There are four levels when you do Reiki, and his teacher had suggested that I take a Reiki class to learn Reiki myself and I did and from doing the Reiki my health got better and I had after I had my first child I had a lot of abdominal pain and they couldn't find out what was going on I did the Reiki and five to six months later no more pain
0: wow, that's great what is a, a day in the life of your practice like what what are you doing with people
1: when I do Reiki what Reiki is is it's a Japanese technique for relaxation and stress reduction. So when I do Reiki, some people come because they have pain, say sciatica or back pain. Other people come because they just want relaxation or stress reduction. So a day would maybe consist of two, three clients. Sometimes I would do do workshops once a month, which are restorative Reiki yoga workshops. That's also something I do. And when people come, they get either a 30 minute session or are hour long session and I would work on the whole body, back and front of the person and then I would work on the areas that they tell me that they need work done and the areas that I find that need work done and um, afterwards some people experience pain relief, some people are just very relaxed, some people come up and get up and they feel you know, a sense of groundedness, a sense of balance and um, I just, you know, and then also other time I have I've been working on my website, marketing, things like that.
0: When you're giving Reiki, what do you experience?
1: When I'm doing Reiki, sometimes I'll look, people tell me what areas to work on. And even if they don't, when I'm working on somebody, I will find heat in an area, which means that's good, because it means, say, they've got pain in their right shoulder or right shoulder injury. That means that's helping that area that's basically breaking up the, the blockage or the issue in that area, or else I feel cold, which means it's something that the person's working through. And then sometimes I would feel tingling in my hands, sometimes pulsing, you know, intense heat. Sometimes I feel it the whole way throughout my body. And uh, you know, other times i would be working on somebody and I would get like, I need to work on, say, somebody's right knee or somebody's back. I'll be directed to that area. Sometimes a word will just pop into my head, like, you know, um, you know headaches or something like that. And I'll ask the person yes, and they have a migraine. So basically it's a... Uh, You know, my hands just guide me to where I need to go, and sometimes intuition comes in there as well.
0: I think often when people hear about this kind of healing work, they assume that they couldn't possibly do it, that that you have to be very special to be able to do this. And yet I know that Reiki is something that comes through a person.
1: Yeah, basically when you do Reiki, when you're a Reiki practitioner, which is what I call myself... um, you basically, it's just that you're using the universal energy which is all around you, so it's, you know, anybody can do Reiki, anybody can learn to do Reiki, and when the person is getting Reiki, you know, they don't have to be special to receive it, and, you know, you don't have to be special to, to give it. I mean, there's different levels of Reiki practitioners, some some really, like, will blow you out of the water by their abilities, and then there's other people who just do Reiki, and so anybody can receive it and anybody can give it. If you've had the training of course you have to go through a teacher to do the training.
0: To broaden the topic in terms of the world, what is your sense of how what you're doing contributes to the bigger picture?
1: I just I just feel that if you know, if everybody was doing Reiki, if there were a lot of Reiki practitioners doing Reiki, how you know, people's health for one would benefit. And then also you can do Reiki as well, which you can also send out to help the, the universe which we all the planet which we all know needs needs help so I just feel like by doing what I'm doing I'm helping people who need that and I, you know, I've done voluntary work too which really is going with elderly people who have very poor quality of life and giving them something special in their life and um, you know also working on sick animals too so I really feel like by doing the work that I'm doing I'm helping people which is a big benefit for me but also to the person and also to the planet as well
0: so it's really an act of service.
1: Well, well the way I describe it, when people ask me what Reiki is to me, I just basically describe it as, as it's a gift. I feel it's a gift that's been given to me, and I'm very fortunate to have this, this gift, and um, I use it to, to help people, and um, it also benefits me as well. As you as you give, you also receive, so it's a benefit to the person receiving the Reiki, but also to the person giving the Reiki. So the more I do it, the more in tune I... I with it and I just feel if I can continue to do this type of work and to give that to other people and to teach other people that will definitely be a benefit to the people I know and the people I meet and also the, the planet as well and I also have three three wonderful kids and I'm going to be teaching my son Reiki so I feel also being give, able to give that to the younger the younger generation too and then you know, being able to share Reiki with friends and teaching friends too that that's my contribution and maybe doing some more voluntary work in the future would be something I'd like to do and just growing and building my practice and just spreading, spreading Ricky more and the one thing that I would like to mention is that I do these restorative Ricky yoga workshops once a month um, in Johnson and those are something that myself and my yoga teacher we just sat down and decided hey let's just try this combination and uh, it worked and it's something that it's there's not a lot of those workshops around, and it's something that's very unique for people. You know, they get restorative, which is very gentle poses in yoga, and Reiki, which is very relaxing and rejuvenating. And that's something I want to spread more and do more of these workshops too, because people at the end of these two hours come out, you know, like this, it's like a deep meditation and they're very relaxed. So I want to be reaching out to the wider community and um, letting people know that these workshops are here for them too.
0: What a brilliant combination!
1: Yeah, it is.
0: That's really cool. I have not heard of anyone else bringing those two things together.
1: They do them in Burlington, and there's one one lady I know, and then I've done them in Montpelier as well. I mean, restorative yoga people do, but really the combination is not that there's not that many people doing it. It's almost like something, you know. Myself and and this uh, yoga teacher called Laurie Mortimer, we kind of came up with that combination. Now we we said, okay, let's do something together. And I said, well, I do Reiki, and she said, I, what about restorative yoga? Put it together, and it it worked.
0: That's cool. And how can people find you online?
1: My website, which is www.rayoflight108.com
0: Thank you so much for talking to us about Reiki, and I look forward to getting the word out.
1: Well, I just want to thank people for listening, and thank you for interviewing me, and I hope that I can spread the word of Reiki to the community, and uh, hope people will find me.
0: Thank you. Sukhara Repas, who is a... a, uh a Reiki practitioner and a a light worker in Morrisville, Vermont. Interesting interview. If you have no experience with any of these kinds of practices like Reiki or working with chakras, say, uh, you can Google that stuff. It's all out there. There's tons of information. This next bit of music we're going to listen to is called Funk Chakra. And it's great if you want to just travel throughout your body and see where this music takes you. This is Medicine Drum, and the vocals are from the amazingly wonderful and gifted Suzanne Sterling. This is Paradigms on WBKM.org.
2: In other words, everything comes out right. I rip because it be my medicine. Over drums, who's sent for the ancient ones. So survive the time traveling, bro.
0: medicine drum with guest vocalist Suzanne Sterling you're listening to paradigms on wbkm.org. you can always find us on the web we now have our own domain it's paradigms.bz paradigm sbz as in Baruch Zeichner check that out all our shows are archived there and available for free downloading as podcasts they're in the iTunes store there's a whole lot of great stuff there Check that out. Let's go into our next interview on healthcare. This is uh, someone that I know who prefers not to use his name on the air, but he has some very interesting things to say. So we'll call him Mr. X. This is Mr. X on healthcare on wbkm.org. What are the projects that you're that you've done in your life that have to do with offering healthcare, or medicine, or or healing space to people?
3: Well, I guess. There's a, a, you know, a lot of different layers to that. My, my practice, I'm a, a massage therapist in EMT and EMT, and so my practice is on a donations accepted, not requested basis. So I kind of consider that a project in, in providing low-cost, accessible health care. And uh, I've also participated in a, a number of collective projects. Um, I work in New Orleans at the Common Ground Clinic and I have done street medicking at a few different mobilizations as well as I'm involved with a a local group that engages in education, a lot of education and um, kind of right now focused on attempting to integrate a mutual aid solidarity sort of perspective. With the capitalist economy, they're trying to figure out ways that um, we can engage our, our personal ethics and still survive as practitioners and hopefully come up stronger for that, that struggle.
0: Could you say a little more about the ethics part?
3: As, as a person who's who's chosen to confront privilege and my personal privilege and and the the privilege that I I come from, and the economic system that I am forced to interact with, you know, my, my personal ethics lead me to provide care regardless of people's ability to pay the standard rate for that care. And so it creates a number of challenges as far as uh, how how do I survive, and 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 how do I maintain myself uh, in such a way that I'm able to provide competent, effective care. So, yeah, my my ethics, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I firmly believe that everyone has the right to health care. It's not a question of, of money. Health care should not require wealth. And so that's the, that's the, that's the sort of base that I've built my, my practice around. I serve a lot of people who don't have access. Who don't? Who don't get services in any way, um, much less complementary services like body work or herbal medicine or anything like that.
0: And what different kinds of modalities have you been exploring since you started to get involved with healthcare?
3: Well, both of my parents are healthcare providers, so on some level, I've been I've been bandaging up my friends after we played. Baseball and football or soccer down at the park since I was 12. But uh, I got my woofer when I was about a decade ago, and um, my wilderness first responder. And then some years later, I uh, I got my massage license, so I'm I'm trained in Swedish, myofascial and shiatsu massage and bodywork. But my, my personal practice kind of, I don't know, integrates all of those into some sort of amalgam. I don't know really what to call it. I've been playing around with, with herbs and educating myself about herbs for, you know, close to a decade now, and I'm not really I I don't consider myself an, an herbalist, but I do know enough to be able to offer some of my clients or patients, you know, supportive tonic herbs.
0: Could you say something about the collective, your experience with healthcare collectives?
3: Well, I've participated in a few different collective projects. Some were directed at very specific times or events, and so formed up for a brief period of time and then kind of faded away when when the necessity was done. Um, and some are longer term activities. In New Orleans after Katrina and Common ground, I felt really blessed to be able to operate, to provide care in, a, in an environment where I was not marginalized like I am by the conventional establishment. In my day-to-day practice, if I try to contact someone's primary healthcare provider to find out what's going on with them, maybe they have test results that I want or uh, I just want to have a conversation about how we can, we can more effectively combine our knowledge and services for the for, for our patients most providers will even if, even if, even if the patient signs a, signs a release no matter what it is most of the time doctors are not interested in, in having a conversation about how how massage fits into a comprehensive treatment program. I kind of get pushed to the side or treated like I'm some sort of quack or something like this. Whereas in, in New Orleans, I was respected as a, as a competent provider and a component of a, a holistic treatment program. So that was, a, that was an amazing experience. It was a, a tremendous privilege to be a part of and an amazing thing to witness as far as what healthcare could be if there is like some sense brought common sense brought into it
0: Mr. X on healthcare talking about a different way of looking at how healthcare can be provided instead of you know having to have the money to get the care you get the care you need and you you pay what you can what, a, what an idea huh not exactly what is in the offering right now in terms of what's being uh, presented as healthcare reform and uh, it's a very different model. We'll be hearing another uh, bit of interview from him, from that uh, that gentleman, in a little while. But let's get right back into music. This is uh, Robbie Robertson with a piece of music called Peyote Healing on Paradigms on WBKM.org.
4: Watching you, I did. You, I Ashiya she ya che 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 no What they watching you oh they home kia yo What they watching What they we your ye ye we ye we cho ye yeah. ye we cho your ye yeah, ye we ye 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 we ye we your name, with we chone with your name, with your name,
5: Chuckoo
4: King. Hello, no one watching, hey, Oh, she's <laughs> oh, 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 Oshema na yo, O na yo, Oshema na yo, wa ne wa che ayi ado ay ne yuwa, wa kata ka na yo, Oshema na yo, Oshema na yo yo, Oshema na yo, We your name, yeah, we ne yeah yeah we yeah, yeah, name, with your name, name, your name, name With your name, cookie Hello, no Hello you know.
0: Curtis with doctor and Robbie Robertson before that with peyote healing. Let's listen to the next part of the interview with Mr. X on paradigms on WBKM.org.
3: You know, massage is certainly not going to be able to uh, address cancer and on the same level, uh, drugs are not going to be able to address postural imbalances. And so these things need to be put together in a, Effective, holistic way, and to witness in New Orleans one possibility of how that can happen—that inspiration is, has carried me through for a long time now. So since then, um, the past four years, I've you know tried to hold on to that and maybe begin to create opportunities for that same sort of idea to flourish. So right now, I'm involved with a, a collective that. We're currently in the planning stages for some free clinics next year. So we're, we're um, actively soliciting volunteers from all, all sectors of the medical industry, from complementary services and energy medicine to some MDs, RNs, and um, to, to hopefully, you know, enact, enact that same vision again for, for brief periods of time when we're all able to be providers together. So in New Orleans, One thing that I was challenged by was uh, the way that, that, that individuals get attached to their role. My perspective on being a provider is I need to work to make myself dispensable. If someone needs me consistently week after week, month after month, year after year, then I'm not doing my job. My job is to give them an opportunity to not need me and in new orleans it, maybe not on a healthcare level but certainly in an organizational way it seemed like that was that was that was not maybe in the forefront of our organizational model as, as much as i would have liked it to have been so currently the project where i'm at we are focusing on ways to make ourselves useless or trying to create um, organizational models that that mean that one person is not indispensable for any job, that there are numerous individuals that can do any given role, and that we can train people into doing any of those roles very quickly. So to me, that, that fits a lot more with my personal perceptions of, of how uh, a really functional healthcare system would, would uh, function Right.
0: What would you suggest to people who are interested in finding or creating some kind of an alternative healthcare model in their communities? What would be a couple of things you would suggest to them? You do
3: it. <laughs> you, you start providing. If you have a practice and you have four hours once a week that you can do something that's out of the traditional framework that we've been provided take that opportunity and start experimenting with something different anything different it doesn't really matter what it is as long as it's not the model that we've been handed we're going to make a lot of mistakes i mean i make mistakes all the time and uh, the problem is not making mistakes Uh, the problem is not trying something new and and learning from whatever it is that you do try so experiment and then if you know anyone who's also interested, whether that's through advertising, some sort of meeting or friends and, and coworkers, find out what mutual interests that you have and how how you can work together to manifest some sort of new model. The the collective that I work with now, they're you know, very different visions about what we want to have happen, but because we're all supportive of the long term goal of providing free, low-cost health care and education, I get involved with things that, you know, aren't necessarily my dreams, but I'm also able to to bring other people into to my vision and they're willing to support me in creating my vision.
0: Anything else you want to throw out there?
3: It's, it's On a lot of levels, it's kind of frightening to abandon the, the model that we've been provided. And I, for myself, I've had to my desire to provide free, low-cost Care has forced me to make other decisions in the other realms of my life so that I can actualize that And so don't don't let that fear turn you off if that fear means that maybe you can only only do it part-time or a little bit a week so that you have enough regular practice to pay the bills or whatever it is go for it stick it out right there because that that in itself is an amazing thing to do to offer any sort of service for free or low cost in this sort of climate. And then once you once you start getting in touch with that fear and allowing it to inform where one directs that desire to provide free care or low cost care accessible, there are opportunities to present themselves in amazing ways and you don't have to go on some doctors without borders trip to, to find people who are very much in need and very grateful. These people are in all of our communities right now, and, and we just need to, to make an opportunity to, to meet them. Um, they all have amazing stories and amazing gifts to give us in return for the services that we we have the ability to provide.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. X, for your perspectives. Really interesting to hear about someone who has chosen to do their their professional healthcare work um, for not a lot of money because their ethics really make that uh, necessary. And there are lots of people in the world who are providing healthcare and not doing it for lots of money. Who are just getting by. Some of them are people who are working outside of the what is now the traditional healthcare model, and some of them are people working within. Traditional healthcare systems who aren't making a lot of money because those systems don't always pay everyone great So, you know, it's a there's a whole lot of stuff to look at if you are looking to find a free clinic In your area uh, you can go to the National Association of free clinics website And in fact if you go to our website uh, That link will be up there tomorrow for on the page for tonight's show along with some other stuff I'll talk about in a bit. So if you're looking for free healthcare, it's out there It's definitely out there. Let's go back to music. Got to do some more music. This is uh, really some great Brazilian music from Gilberto Jobim and Milton Nascimento. It's called La Hospitalar. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong because I don't speak Portuguese at all. But it's great music on Paradigms on WBKM.org.
6: Eu que impunho armas Feitas de poesia e som Eu que testemunho Dramas da canção fugaz Eu que experimento Quanto a fantasia é bom Alimento para a paz E eu mesmo agora tenho Que lhe ouvir dizer Aos berros que a vida É pura maldição Que o mundo é feito Só para os eleitos Que houve sempre fraude Na tal deleição Portanto só quem manda Oh,
7: There was a young woman walk the
8: beach every day. She had long dark hair and a high hip size. She was full in the bosom with dark brown eyes. The
7: devil's woman with the devil's curse, Satan's lady. She was a devil's nurse a fortune teller's sister
8: on the bread. Laid down next to you And stroke, stroke your head She had a way about her It's hard to explain Bring chills to your body And
7: blood to your veins devil A devil's woman With a devil's curse Satan's lady
8: She was the devil's nurse
0: with the devil's nurse. I just thought I'd throw that in there. And before that, La Oppita from uh, Jobim and Nascimento. love love their music. really uh, Brazilian music. boy, it's just mm, got all that movement to it. All right, we've got one more guest on tonight's show. We've got two sections of interview from Pamela Howard, who is an acupuncturist residing and practicing in the Baltimore area. Let's hear what Pamela has to say. You're listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org.
9: My name is Pamela Howard, and I am an acupuncturist. I am actually in my first year of clinic in acupuncture school, so I am as as yet ungraduated. um, But I will be licensed and operating within 18 months. But I am already practicing acupuncture through my school, which is called Tysifia in Laurel, Maryland.
0: And what drew you to acupuncture as opposed to, say, massage or becoming a surgeon or any other kind of healthcare practitioner?
9: I started out after I graduated from school in marketing and uh, went through some period of time in a university setting getting my PhD and had the chance to work at Capital One for 10 years, which was fabulous. Mm-hmm. And I learned that I did not want to work in the corporate environment. I always read books about healing. What version of healthcare do I want to go into? I thought about massage. I thought about chiropractic. My brother-in-law, who's a, a surgeon, asked me if I didn't want to go to medical school, and I realized I did not want to go to medical school. In, in my view, people who are traditional doctors look at you know very tiny portions of each being, and they kind of look at the holes they look at where things are going wrong and they look at specific systems and they make their diagnosis from their specialty. I didn't want to look at the holes. I wanted to look at the holes, W-H-O-L-E-S. I wanted to look at the integrated way that the energy flows through the body. The way that the study of acupuncture came to me, I'd never thought of it and I was really looking to make a change and I spent some time meditating this one day. I was actually very sick. And I was at home and I was ready to make a change and just looking for the direction. And after that day of meditation, the next day I woke up and felt so good that I stayed home another day from work and went into the garden and the word acupuncture just fell into my head and I don't have any other way to say it other than that. It literally just dropped into my brain. So I looked into it and realized that it was a perfect blend of hands-on practical healing where it could make a huge difference. I will say I am a Reiki practitioner, and I've, I've done other kinds of energy work, but I find that acupuncture can move energy in a way that I haven't been able to do it with other forms of healing.
0: And when we were uh, preparing for the interview, you very eloquently described wanting to talk about sustainability for practitioner and for patient and Within the healthcare system, I, I'm very interested in what you have to say about that.
9: So I have been looking into community acupuncture. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but assuming that perhaps not everyone in the listening audience is, um, community acupuncture. Well, I'm going to start by talking about the way that acupuncture is traditionally practiced. There's a an acupuncturist. The client to the acupuncturist. Often there's a one-on-one hour-long session that's private where the person is on the massage table and um, they may be in different states of undress. And that's an expensive model. And acupuncturists charge anywhere from $70 to $200 for that one hour, which may or may not be covered by insurance. It is more often than, you know, 10 years ago being covered by insurance but you can't really count on that because, you know, it depends on the person's individual health care plan and whether they even have health insurance. There's another model that has been pioneered out in in, uh, Portland, Oregon, and it's called community acupuncture. In this model, instead of it being one practitioner and one patient for an hour, it's a room where you might have, you know, upwards of nine recliners or tables. And the acupuncture needles are placed in the regions that are from the elbow to the fingers or from the knee to the toes, Meaning that most people do not have to undress. So it can be done in a more public setting. By having a higher volume, the acupuncturist can charge less, so the fees become something like 15 to $40 per treatment that make
0: sense? It makes total sense. I, I uh, was fortunate enough to work with uh, Acupuncturists Without Borders in New Orleans some years back. And, you know, they had people sitting in chairs out on the street and they were doing ear acupuncture and they would do as many people at a time as were there. Sometimes there were 10 people.
9: Yes. And in fact, we've been trained in that model. If it's um, the NADA model, which I'm trying to remember, I believe, stands for the National Association of Detox Acupuncturists. I might have the acronym wrong. There's many ear modalities. The ear itself, the surface of the ear, is a tiny little hologram of the the human body, upside down. So there are points just within the ear that represent the entire body. And there's five in particular that the NADA acupuncturists use for addiction treatments, for stress and trauma. And I read recently of the same points plus a couple more being used in cancer treatments to increase immunity in the cancer patients. So it's the same five that the addiction specialist was used plus two or three more. It's pretty powerful stuff.
0: I experienced it as very powerful.
9: Was this in the wake of Katrina?
0: Yes, I was volunteering at a clinic called Common Ground it was founded after Katrina, and it's still there, and here we are, well, four years later. And I believe that acupuncturists without borders still goes to the clinic periodically and, and provides service to, to clients.
9: And that's, I think, for me, one of the powerful things about acupuncture when I started to read about it as I was deciding where to take my life. I could literally take a hardtop cooler that has different supplies in it And so they could sit on that cooler, and all I need are some um, alcohol swabs just to make sure that the area where I'm putting needles is clean. The needles themselves are single-use sterile. They come in a package. You open it. You use it. Then you put it in a sharps container. So there's all kinds of safety precautions that are used with the needles that make it incredibly safe in a trained acupuncturist's hands. And it's very portable. I've got a little toolkit that I can carry around with me. you know just like a tackle box for fishing, or like a kid's lunch box. You know everything I need can fit in that box.
0: That's great. You can with, practice anywhere.
9: Once I am licensed, I will be able to practice anywhere. Now keep in mind that the way that the licensing regulations are written, there's no one national law, so when, when we say anywhere. It's all but those six states that haven't approved the NCC AOM exam, the National Licensing Exam, as criteria to practice in their states. And California has slightly different rules than the rest of the country. But yes, in theory, we're permitted by local regulations. I can practice anywhere. And that's just the beauty of acupuncture. We practice with people who are on the streets of Baltimore. They come in to a place that we call Penn North. It's at the intersection of Pennsylvania and North Avenue in Baltimore. These are people who are in treatment for their addictions. Many of them are court-ordered, so it's do this or go spend some time in um, incarceration. So they choose this. They are very supported through AA or NA, different kinds of addiction counseling. They may be in a residential program. They're not getting methadone they're on heroin, they're getting acupuncture. So I once figured out the cost differential between a dose of methadone and ten acupuncture needles plus, you know, a little bit more for the space, and it's an amazing cost differential. But, uh, an amazing savings. And the people who get acupuncture do really well. So this treatment um, by the NADA, which has been Michael Smith discovered the protocol working in Lincoln Hospital in New York from in 1980, perhaps. And they find that this is really good for all kinds of addictions, whether it's alcohol, any kind of drug, cigarettes, even caffeine and sugar. So, and the people get a daily treatment five days a week, and it, it does work to reduce their cravings to the extent that they don't need a mess down. And, and that's done in a very low-tech environment. We have folding chairs. You know, 1970s carpet, people sit in a series of circles. You know, however many chairs we need in a room for the number of people we have, it could be 40 or 50 people. We've got all these volunteer practitioners who come in, put 10 needles in each person just in the ears, and we leave them with very gentle music and semi-darkness so that they can meditate. And that's the program. Pretty low-tech,
0: right? Pamela Howard will hear the second part of our interview with Pamela after we listen to some music. just wanted to let you know that on the page for tonight's show, there will be a link to the Community Acupuncture Network and the National Acupuncture Detoxification Association. So you can check those out as well as links to uh, Sukada's website and Pamela's website and the National Association of Free Clinics website. Let's go to music. This is Johnny Clegg on Paradigms on WBKM.org.
10: She travels time and space to when the world was young She's taking notes on the run She sees the faces and tries to fit the names Understanding strange moments in the game
8: Stacked charm around your neck Strung out and thin Calling some friend Trying to cash some check He's acting dumb That's what you've come to expect
0: needle in the hay there's an artist whose life was ultimately cut short by the use of needle drugs and uh, Johnny Clegg with touch the Sun before that I like there's a sort of poetry to the idea of people who have been addicted to needle drugs getting healing from acupuncture needles I like that let's hear the rest of the interview with Pamela Howard now on paradigms on WBKM.org I think acupuncture holds one of
9: the keys the country's health, one of the things that I tell people, because I believe it to be so, even if someone was paying $70 a treatment, it is still a very efficient use of a person's health care dollars. So I'll tell you why I say that. First of all, there aren't huge costs to providing care. So there's not equipment. There's not machines to maintain. There's not huge overhead most of the time depending on where the acupuncturist decides to have their offices, there doesn't have to be big overhead. It can be a one-person operation in whatever kind of space that they need. Um, the other reason I think it's so cost-effective, besides the fact that you know the tools are inexpensive, if you go to see the doctor and you get an appointment to be there at 10, what are the odds that the doctor actually see you at 10? In my experience pretty low you know you're often sitting there waiting for a long time even if you get in on time how long is that doctor going to spend with you i haven't had a doctor's appointment where i've had more than say five minutes maybe ten tops with a doctor whereas an acupuncturist tends to spend a good bit of time with you especially in the private model so that one-on-one intense interaction can be an entire hour And there's a lot of healing that happens on all levels just from the listening. People in our culture are just absolutely starving for community. It's sad how many people have had trauma or neglect. And if someone starts to pay attention to them, they start to thrive. And that's something that an acupuncturist brings to the table that ability to actually be present with a person and really notice how their spirit is thriving looking at their physical body, how they hold it, their color. We um, use observation as our biggest diagnostic technique. You know, We're really looking at the person's carriage and their color and how they sound and how their energy is flowing. It's amazing what you can learn and how you can practice that and how healing it is. I haven't had the chance to really get my hands wet in implementing community acupuncture. I will say, though, with the work that we've done in Baltimore with the addicts or the people in recovery at Penn North, it's a very powerful model to treat, you know, 40 people at once with just, say, 10 acupuncturists. That's a lot of healing going on. Um, I'd love to see it operate in a larger community of people who aren't necessarily seeking recovery kinds of healing, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, well, it would be interesting to see how people presenting a whole variety of different healthcare needs respond.
9: Now, I did go and look on the Community Acupuncture Network website to see if there were any community acupuncture uh, clinics in Vermont. I thought perhaps your listeners might be interested in that, and I did not see any that were listed. But I did see one in Manchester, New Hampshire, and also in Massachusetts.
0: Oh, that's great.
9: Yeah, and this model is spreading. Let me say um, a couple of things. I I went and did some reading earlier today, and just in case you asked about these things, there was a community acupuncture clinic in Portland that in a week saw 448 patients in one week. 73 of those people in that week were new. I mean, that's, that's an amazing number of people. And the person who wrote this, this was a blog, the person was writing the statistics in, they said it's hard to find statistics on acupuncture because there's no place that collects them. But there's a school where this person went to school called OCOM. And that's more people, if you extrapolate these numbers, than that big school with all their resources are treating. And that's an amazingly profitable model if you have that many people. The other thing I'll say about acupuncture is The way that most acupuncturists get their patients is not through marketing in the commercial sense. It's through word of mouth. So think about those 73 73 new people in a market that already had um, coming every week, 448 minus those 73. That's a market that you could say is getting kind of saturated, but there's still 73 people who hadn't had acupuncture at this particular clinic before. So that's an amazing growth model. The other thing on the working-class acupuncture website is a blog post about recession. What recession? We just opened a second clinic. So this is something that's thriving in these uncertain economic times. And, again, you don't need a lot of overhead to do acupuncture. Sure, you have to have needles. You have to have the ability to have a clean uh, situation so that you're needling safely. But that can be done almost anywhere. You can just create a little bit of space. You can create the kind of clean conditions you need to do acupuncture safely. You need to be able to wash your hands or to use hand sanitizer. You need to be able to wipe down the stock where you're going to put the needles in with an alcohol swab, and the needles themselves are always sterile. So it's a very, very safe, very low-tech. I mean, heck, you don't need electricity to do acupuncture. You can just do it out in the middle of the field. As long as you have light and, again, enough ways to get everything to the point where it's clean enough so that you're not getting anyone sick, which is pretty easy.
0: There are so many people who need work, and if there was a way to get a lot of people trained in this, it would it would certainly solve a number of problems at once in terms of providing livelihood and providing effective, uh, low-cost health care.
9: When we were talking about the NADA training the training for addiction, Mm -hmm. certain kinds of social service workers are eligible to get this training just to do the five points in the ear that is good for addiction. That's, I think, a weekend of training. And they're not learning acupuncture so much as they're learning, this is where you put these five needles. So, you know, it's very much of a formula. A formula that's so powerful that it's used Um, Again, I believe nationally, if not internationally, to help people with addiction. And as I said, I believe it's going further than that because there's a protocol that's very similar to increase immunity for people who have cancer, and then also there's some protocol that the military has, and this is just the ear. Can you imagine? I mean, you can almost always get to a person's ear, no matter how bundled up they are. It's a very accessible and inexpensive model.
0: Maybe some folks who are listening will will jump on that and contact NADA and uh, get themselves trained.
9: They have an excellent website that tells all about it. If you have listeners who are very conscious of the environment, I'm hoping that someone will come up with a way to reduce, even even though there's only a small amount of waste, the packages that the needles come in. Um, it drives me crazy when I'm throwing them away because it feels like a lot of waste. that if they can come up with a way maintain that sterile packaging but have less plastic or a way to recycle that way. So I would be thrilled.
0: Alright, we'll make sure we get it's that out there and, and maybe someone will come up with an idea. I want to thank you so much, Pamela. I, I really appreciate I mean, there's so much more to say about this. We could go on for hours and hours and it's really fascinating. Uh, I appreciate your time and, and also just your story, your personal story of of. Choosing to leave the corporate world and 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 finding a direction and the way you found it and and how much it means to you, I think that's inspiring right there. Oh, you're very
9: welcome. You're very welcome. Have a wonderful evening and stay warm.
0: You too, Pamela Howard. You can uh, get a link to her blog on our website uh, that that uh, the site for tonight's show, which will be up by tomorrow morning. Check that out. Very interesting interview. You know, there's so many possibilities. And and imagine for a moment that in our society, lots of people suddenly became trained to provide different kinds of health care. You know, we'd be healthier, people would be working. What if we diverted, you know, I know it's it's sacrilege to some folks, but what if we diverted money away from making weapons into providing health care? It actually makes sense, especially when you go back to the, the ethics part. Well, it's been a lot of fun being with you tonight. This is Baruch with Paradigms. I've got uh, some music to leave you with, and then Will and Billy will be here with the jazz show. want to just let you know what's coming up on Paradigms. Next week we've got our humor show, which will be really fun. Uh, A lot of funny stuff and also some great information about how laughter and catharsis are actually important aspects of of being healthy and well. On the 6th, the Permibus crew uh, will be on, and... Aaron Flynn will be in the studio on December 6, uh, 13th. Now, on December 20th, we're going to be doing a special peace show. And if you have something you'd like to say about peace that you'd like to offer to our, all the other listeners, send me an email, baruch at mcn.org. You can find a link to my email uh, at paradigms.bz. Love to hear from you. Really just want to get get, get that peace talk out there. So until next week, when we're going to be yucking it up, hope you have a great week. Here's some music. I'm going to leave you with two pieces of music right now. The first one is Sinead O'Connor, The State I'm In. And then Scott Ainsley is going to take us out with Uncommon Life. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Paradigms. And we'll see you next time here on WBKM.org. around the sun
11: hoping for a
12: chance to see you above everyone to rescue me from this heat
0: been listening to paradigms on wbkm.org